Welcome to the Baseball Insiders. Live on this beautiful Thursday, the championship series are in full swing. New York Yankees down 1-0 to the Astros. The Padres and Phillies tied 1-1. Coming back to Citizens Bank Park and MLB Insider and Fan Side Zone. Robert Murray is with me as always. Robert, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. I'm always I'm here with you, so it's already a great day. How are you? Good. I feel good. I look okay. I slept a little bit. Uh, I am alive. The New York Yankees. Uh, not much of an effort in game one of the CS, but I tell you, I'd rather be in the CS than out at the end of the DS. And I think that is sort of a common feeling amongst the fan base, but we are still waiting for them to wake up a little bit. Uh, the NLCS certainly looks more interesting to me at this point in time. Yeah, I'll tell you what a great series that one is. Obviously game one, um, the pod or the Phillies handled that one pretty well. Zach Wheeler was dominant. And then yesterday, Philly ended up going out, got that, what was it, 4 nothing lead early on? Oh, yeah. And then the Padres did what the Padres do. And Manny Machado and Juan Soto ended up taking over. Um, and I'll tell you, I love watching the Padres play baseball. Because when they're clicking, man, that offense is humming. Their pitching is very good. Um, and then they hand it off to that bullpen with Robert Suarez and then – um, Josh Hader in the ninth inning. I'll, I've I've spoken about Hader a lot, but I, that trade just looks even more brilliant than it did before. And my laptop is about to die. I'll be right back. Oh boy! All right, I'll hold down the fort until then because I do want to start talking about the NLCS, uh, which is seemed to be a coin flip at the start, right? I don't think anybody thought, uh, well, this is the five and six seeds. One of these teams is going to run train on the on the other one and, and absolutely just plow forward. Uh, distinct home field advantage for both teams. We saw the Padres and Phillies both reel off two extremely dramatic wins on their home turf, upsetting quote unquote superior opponents in the first round. You've expected a little bit of lunacy in this set, but then the Padres go down one Oh, get buzzsawed by Zach Wheeler. Wheeler gets pulled early. Everybody bemoans the Phillies bullpen. It doesn't seem to matter at all because Sir Anthony Dominguez has leveled up in this postseason. And Jose Alvarado gets a botched double play behind him and is still like, whatever, I got this. And ends that uh, game pretty quickly right after that. Um, and then the Phillies take a 4 nothing lead in game two. And you're like, how did we end up in sweep territory here? Because the Phillies are about to bring this home without Nola and Wheeler. But still, up, up 2-0, you, you sort of start to think this is getting done in five at the very latest. Yep. But an immediate comeback by Bell Dinger. Uh, Brandon Drury Dinger, it's 4-2. Nola collapses. Uh, and the collapse is fostered by his brother, Austin Nola, which has to sting. Uh, I've never blown a playoff lead to my brother, but I got to imagine it makes Thanksgiving a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, pass the sweet potatoes. No, I refuse because you helped me choke a game that's getting me uh, death threats at my home in Philadelphia. Oh, that's fair. Um, and then now all of a sudden, we're 1-1 in this set. And I wanted Bert to talk about the Phillies bullpen and the Phillies pitching and like did Dave Dombrowski patch up all of their weaknesses while we weren't looking. But now this is a pretty even series and it's not like the Phillies are throwing some playoff stalwart at the Padres in game three. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's uh, I, I'm very curious, like to go to the Nola family thing, how that family Thanksgiving plays out because that, I mean, him having that RBI against his brother. I mean, that's pretty freaking cool, man. And also watching their families react um, in the stands. Like the, the, the dad didn't know what to do. He wasn't sure whether to cheer or just be like, oh. Um, so I feel for them, but also like how cool is that? Because there's not many people who can say that they had their two kids playing the same game in the NLCS. But um, what Dave Dombrowski did in the offseason, like I was among the people who were critical of it, and I will be the first person to admit it. Um I thought that the offense would work, um, but I thought the defense would not. And the defense was, I was not alone in having that fear. Um, I thought the defense would end up suffering pretty pretty substantially, especially once Bryce Harper uh, ended up getting hurt earlier in the year. And he was forced to be the DH, which put both Schwarber and Castellanos in the field. But they've made it work. Um, it's a credit to their pitching. 
Um, it's a credit to their other players on on defense too, especially Brandon Marsh, because that was another reason why they traded for him is because they really liked his defense um, in the outfield, and they thought that would end up helping with those two guys out there um, and Cassie House and, and Schwarber. But yeah, it's uh, they're they're not perfect by any means, but they have all the recipes to like be a very strong team. I mean, obviously we're seeing it right now um, when it's clicking, like they're among the best in baseball and and here they are. And Dave Dombrowski, once again, builds a winner with a different team. We talked last episode about how we'd love to have him no matter what the carnage. Uh, also, maybe there's a little bit less carnage than is typically reported. It's not like the Red Sox farm system is empty and not all of that time bloom. Tristan Casas is him. I believe Sedan Rafaela is him. I think a lot of the names you're hearing coming out of the Red Sox farm system are Dombrowski. Obviously, the Tigers were left with a bit of a wasteland, but uh, I would say that a competent executive probably could have dug out of that sooner, and the Tigers haven't exactly had competent leadership in Dombrowski's wake. Uh, then now what we're seeing is a Phillies team that had a chance to stomp on some throats. The Padres have not been tested in this round in a long time. And so I think it was fair to say, okay, maybe they turn back into a pumpkin underperforming second half team, right? Uh, you know, a lot of that was hater melting down and Soto having to live up to high expectations, but you know, they lose the first game pretty sleepily. They're down for nothing in the second. You don't exactly expect them to rampage back like a seasoned champion. And then all of a sudden the Padres tie the game up, tip it on its head, run over the meaty middle of the Phillies bullpen. Brad Hand is never somebody I really want to see in a high leverage opportunity like that. And he was uh, could not find it yesterday. And then all of a sudden, they, they do the thing that truly great teams do, where they take an early deficit, get punched in the mouth, come back, don't stop the fight, and then eventually tip it way in the other direction. And they end up kind of running away with that. Uh, game three is now Ranger Suarez and Joe Musgrove on the road for San Diego in Philly. Uh, but what do you foresee there? I mean, is, is it, is it advantage Padres now or is Philadelphia going to be able to weather that blow and ride the home crowd into a representative game three? Yeah. I think that home crowd thing is a legitimate advantage for Philadelphia because playing there um, is not easy. Uh, you talk to different people who've played in Philadelphia and they talk about just how rowdy it is and like the atmosphere. And we've seen Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber come out and say it's the best playoff atmosphere they've ever played in. Um, but that being said, it goes back to the Padres being able to overcome these early deficits. Um, Bob Melvin is very good at having his teams overcome adversity. Obviously, in Oakland, he was dealt with a less than ideal hand of having a very low payroll. But yet every single year, for the most part, they were in a position to be in the playoffs or even did make the playoffs. Um, and this year, obviously, they've overcome losing Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, they've overcome these early deficits in the playoffs. Um, and it's got them to this point. It's got them 1-1 going to Philadelphia for three games. I would not bet the Padres out in the slightest. I still have the, Philly, I still have the Phillies winning this series. But I'll tell you, man, they uh, Bob Melvin was a phenomenal choice. Like That, that clubhouse – was in so much trouble after the end of last year. Um, and they needed to get that higher right at manager. They hit an absolute home run with Bob Melvin. Like he, yeah, they couldn't have done it any better. That's one of those scenarios too, where when you're dreaming up the ideal managerial candidate, when you're, when you have a space to fill and you're sort of sifting through this group of also rands and second chances, you're thinking about, you know, trying out another unproven 41-year-old or going with somebody who's 52 and is already flamed out elsewhere, and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm either going to have to uncover somebody or give somebody a second chance who's already failed. And then all of a sudden, like, one of the agreed-upon best managers in baseball with the Oakland A's is just free for you. It's like, oh, well, that was way easier than I expected because now I can just hire somebody who's an acknowledged genius. And yep. You know, managing the A's, like you said, is built in adversity. It's like no matter how good your team is, you know, you could be better because you could spend. Um, a lot of Cleveland Guardians fans this week being like, wow, it took the Yankees all that to just to beat a team with a $62 million payroll. And all of that sort of just an indictment on that team. Like, mm, you could just maybe increase your payroll. Uh, same thing with the A's. It's like they would make the playoffs over and over again and then have to say things like that. Well, what do you expect? We only have X payroll. And it's like, ah, but you could. 
have more if your ownership wanted you to. And now Bob Melvin is experiencing that. He is, and he's a very lucky man for it. He went from the team that spent like the least in baseball to going to AJ Preller, which that has to be an absolute roller coaster for him. And it's it's got to be a complete breath of fresh air because never in a million years could he have could he have imagined being on a team in Oakland that would go out and acquire Juan Soto, Josh Bell, um, Josh Hader. I mean, all these guys at the deadline in one deadline. I almost called you Carm. I'm, st- I'm still getting used to this, Adam. Okay. But, uh, um, it, uh, it's it's cool. He deserves it. Like he's one of the best managers in baseball, and now he's finally being paired with a equally talented um, lineup and, and roster overall. And we're seeing it pay off. Like they slayed the dragon in the Dodgers, and now they are on the cusp of going to the World Series. It's pretty. It's pretty impressive. Yes. Say what you will about how it's going to end. We're not sure yet, but it it absolutely does leave them on the edge of the World Series. Objectively, they are just three wins away. Um, Talking about excellent managers, though, uh, on the other side, you dropped me a nugget earlier today that potentially a surprise managerial candidate from this series has emerged who's going to get a look once the regular season and postseason end. Uh, What more can you tell me about that? Yeah, good segue. That uh, was that was very very well done by you. But uh, oh, Dusty Wathen, he or uh, Dusty Wathen, a uh, Phillies coach, is generating managerial interest from the Kansas City Royals and also the Miami Marlins. I believe he is interviewing with the Royals today. Um, he is somebody who's been on the radar of teams in the past, and from the job that he's done in Philadelphia, he's gotten rave reviews from people behind the scenes. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he does get a job this year, but like he's certainly getting interest now. Um, and yeah, he's, he's somebody that's on the radar of teams and I'm sure is going to continue to stay on that radar if he doesn't get a job this year. Yeah. And there's no, there's no more of a sure thing than uh, the team that lasts longer in the playoffs than anyone expected. All of a sudden, like their ancillary coaching candidates become significant pieces of the off season conversation. Uh, you know, you make yourself known by surviving in the postseason, whether you're the manager, whether you're a bench coach, pitching coach, third base coach, etc. cetera. Uh, it's how a lot of people have risen to prominence in recent years. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip up hoodie that used to be navy blue, but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old. Soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's uh, let's talk about the other side of things. Let's go to the American League for a sec, because you and I were both you and I were both on the Guardians. Neither of us were shocked that the Yankees Guardian series was extended all the way to five. I had the Yankees uh, advancing because I had to for my own mental health. 
but I did think it was going to be as tight as possible. And it was, uh, you know, the, the guardians had ample opportunity to come back in that last game. They don't start Aaron Savale. That thing really could turn out differently. Two rainouts in that series, one benefit of the guardians, one benefit of the Yankees wild five gamer. Uh, but the guardians, whether the fans want to hang their hat on being the youngest team in the, in the thing and, and getting this far as the youngest team in the tourney, they can do that. Uh, but you and I both agree the future for the guardians is very bright. Uh, the postseason experience is probably invaluable to these guys, but the, yep. now it's time to sort of take that, take it to the next level. Uh, Jose Ramirez was hurt. He's going to have wrist surgery. That helps. A healthy Jose Ramirez will help. Uh, but what do they need to do or add to this team to get from sort of cute first round story, friskiest non-advancer past the DS to legitimate title threat? Yeah, I think it starts with adding a bat. That was a big weakness. Um, throughout the postseason is their inability to score runs. Obviously they were a dink and dunk offense and they basically paper cut you to death. Um, yes, they did. Yeah. And it, like, it's a fun strategy. Like I compared them to the 2014 Kansas city Royals from a overall team perspective in that regard. Um, but I wonder in that search for um, another bat, I think they can get creative with it. They can obviously explore the free agent market because um, there's a, a number of bats who are out there. They can explore the trade market. I'm still trying to figure out who exactly um, is going to be on the trade market. So, like, I, I'd love to give you names now, but, like, I'm still in the process of figuring out who that could be. Yeah. But if they want the, – the, the creative aspect with this is they have a, a plethora of starting pitching. And I wonder if Zach Plesak could be somebody that they float to try to upgrade the lineup or just even float to upgrade other parts of their roster. Um and I mean, he was part of trade speculation at the deadline. Um, it actually kind of caught me off guard that he wasn't moved. Um, so I wonder if we could have those talks resurface again in the offseason here. Yeah, because he barely appeared in this series. Uh, obviously, the, the short series teams were sort of paring down their rotations quite a bit. Uh, yeah. But Aaron Savali managed to work himself into a start. Didn't go well, but they chose him over Plesak, who had one sort of phoned in relief appearance at the end of, of one of these games. That was his only appearance in the set. So clearly not, uh, you know, I'm not going to say like, well, that means he's out of Cleveland's plans, but he was not a big part of Cleveland's game plan for this series. And and based on what I heard from you, I was surprised he was not dealt at the deadline either. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms of the, in terms of Cleveland's future, I have uh, something I would love to raise with you because uh, the Guardians did get a rain out uh, of the night that they intended to play game five, which gave the game two starters a chance to come back on short rest. The Yankees said, great, we're going to do that. We're going to start Nestor Cortez. We're going to take full advantage of that. He went five great innings. The Guardians had the chance to do the same with Shane Bieber, who started game two, and they were very adamant that they were not going to do that. Uh, now he's had shoulder issues. People were having a lot of conversations about, well, the future's more important than this game five, etc. Then you saw some sort of devious conversations of, well, he's not even going to be here, so why do we care about his future? Like, might as well get as many innings out of him as we can while he's still here. Ultimately, Terry Francona sided with, let's protect the man, or maybe he just didn't think he'd be that effective on three days rest. But how do you feel about the long-term thing? Do you feel like his future is in Cleveland? Do you feel like the fans who were obviously ruthless in saying, use him up now, uh, do you feel like there was a kernel of truth in that? How much longer do you think he's part of the plan here? I would not be surprised at all or at all if, if Bieber is traded by the Guardians at some point. I don't think we're at that point yet. Um, but the Guardians have a history of trading their starting pitchers before they're due that big payday. And Bieber seems like the most obvious candidate besides Zach Plesak to be like on the move at some point in the future. And I don't like... I give Terry Francona a ton of credit for not pushing his guy to start him on three days rest. He's always going to end up siding on his players' long-term outlook and wanting to keep them healthy. And I think players respect that. Um, and it's why he's one of the most respected managers in baseball is because he looks out for his guys. Um, but with, with that decision, obviously it's going to be second guessed ever since Savale got lit up early on in that game. And they were basically out of it from the get go. But um you can't push a guy because he's not going to end up being there in a couple of years, or he, he might not be there in a couple of years. That just would be malpractice and 
anybody who does that should get ripped. Um, but yeah, I don't have any issue with not having him start that game. But as far as his future, boy, I mean, there's going to be a long list of teams that are going to be after Shane Bieber. Let me tell you. Yeah, I, I kind of was getting the itch when the Yankees were messing around at this year's deadline a little bit, obviously needing to add pitching. And none of the names you were hearing made a lot of sense because I didn't think they'd get Montas. I didn't think they'd get Jose Quintana. I didn't think they'd end up. I thought it was sort of Castillo or mystery candidate. And when I started looking through the mystery candidates, I was like, man, Shane Bieber makes a lot of sense. The Guardians are good, not great. They're not leading the Central. I don't know if he's going to be a long-term fit there. It wouldn't stunt – like, my jaw wouldn't be on the floor if the 359 tweet hit that was like the Yankees are finalizing a deal for Shane Bieber. Then the Guardians kept him, went on this massive run, quieted that conversation, made me feel like a fool. But I can't yep. really shake it for the offseason either. No, me neither. And I'm sure teams are going to end up checking in on Bieber in the offseason because, like, that's something that's happened over the last couple of years, and I'm sure that's not going to stop now. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be moved this offseason. Um, I just I don't I just don't think so. But, I mean, stranger things have happened, man. We've, we've seen Juan Soto go from being not traded to traded in, like, a span of, what was it, like a month? So, yeah. I mean, if that happens, I mean, you never know. That was 100% a situation of like, oh, so he rejected the last extension offer, but obviously he'll be a nap for life, so who cares? Oh, uh, he plays in San Diego now. Interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll never forget where I was when that report dropped that he was on the block. I was boarding a flight um, to the All-Star game, and yep. I like I got the notification from Rosenthal. I let out like a holy shit, um, and then I texted Ken. I was like, hell of a scoop man and yeah I like I mean that's that's the kind of scoop you dream of and man having Soto go from not being traded to rejecting that trade offer to then that entire situation with him being moved um that was probably the most memorable time I've ever had in baseball like that was legitimately freaking cool um I did not get much sleep though so that that kind of sucked though no it was it was funny because I was boots on the ground in LA already for the all-star game. I had flown in the night before and was like waking up, just trying to get some coffee and your mind is racing in a million different directions, but you're sort of immediately like, can my team put together a package for Soto? Uh, well, it would be nine. It would be the, the nine most famous people you've ever heard of. Okay. Probably not. And then you're like, hey, it'll be the Dodgers. Won't it? And then you're kind of walking down the street, looking at all the Dodger fans you pass in LA. Like you don't even know you're about to get Juan Soto. You smug bastards. <laughs> sipping your lattes you know eating your eating your apricot danishes you have no clue but somehow the Padres outfoxed him somehow the Padres outlasted him in the postseason so who knows and and yeah Unreal. and I, like it makes me wonder what the Dodgers might do in the future um like, especially this offseason to try to like I don't want to say catch the Padres I mean at this point you can say catch the Padres because they beat them in the postseason but to uh to make sure they stay atop the NL West for the long-term haul here yeah, and, and let's talk about the Dodgers in a second. Uh, but first, I just want to take one question from the uh, the comment section. Uh, Alex Rude asking if there are any other updates on other managerial searches. Um, and I know you and I were talking a little bit before this episode about uh, Jason Veritek's wife, Catherine Veritek, tweeted uh, a list of cities that have openings. It was like Miami, Chicago, dot, dot, dot. Uh, start thinking a little bit more about Jason Veritek maybe getting that chance. Um, obviously it's, it's pretty early for these things to be settled, but are there any names beyond, uh, Dusty out in Philly that you're hearing thrown around a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting in the fact that a lot of these teams, like the Rangers, the Marlins, the, um, the White Sox, um, the Royals too, like they've all kept these searches relatively quiet. Um, but some of the, one of the more prominent names in all these searches, I think is Joe Espada, mm -hmm. um, and Joe Espada, he's a guy with the Houston Astros bench coach who's been highly regarded. Um, and he's interviewed for jobs in the past. He was the finalist for the Giants job before uh, Gabe Kapler. I think he's, if not, if he's not number one, he's like pretty high up there for most of these teams. Um, so I think this is going to be the year that he ends up getting a job. But something that I've heard from a few different people um, throughout the entire process is that Kim Ng in Miami. She's now in full control. She's like, this is 
her team now. Um, she doesn't have other voices influencing the roster or other decisions that they make. In these interviews for manager, in the managerial interviews, she's impressing big time. Um, they talk about her analytical ability, uh, just her vision, just everything that she's presenting to the table is extremely impressive. So I'm liking the early signs that I'm hearing from the Marlins, uh, which is a nice change of pace considering they've been not so great in the past. Yeah, and Espada is another example of that phenomenon of you know former Yankee, former Astro in the spotlight in the postseason every year. You know, if you're looking for a candidate, you're looking for the guys who are lingering around the most successful teams in the sport. And Joe Espada has been one of those for a long time. Uh, so no great shock that maybe this is going to be the year where he gets over the hump and finally earns one of these positions that he's been in the running for for so long. Uh, on to the Dodgers, who. We can't help but talk about, even though they uh, have been outlasted by uh, two other lower-seeded NL teams, and uh, for the Yankee tier drinkers out there, we will get to the Yankees and Astros ALCS. I'm just going to wrap with that because that's, uh, you know, the active series. We'll talk about it. I'm not going to ignore it. It happened. Uh, but I do want to get, uh, Bert, your insight on some of these Dodgers thoughts because yep. they, for better or worse, are the highest-spending team in baseball – they walk away from most offseasons with a superstar. This season, it was not enough. For whatever reason, flawed playoff format, rest versus rust, Dave Roberts, strange decision-making, who knows? Uh, but you wouldn't put it past them, even with their embarrassment of riches, to go forth and add another superstar or two this offseason. You've been all over the DeGrom beat. Makes sense to me as well. After you watched this rotation of five starters fall a little bit short, uh, but there were a couple other rumors floating this week. Uh, there was a Mark Feinsand, uh, Trey Turner destinations piece that indicated the Dodgers might be amenable to lowering their interest in Turner a little bit, putting him on the back burner in favor of preparing a huge run in Aaron Judge. Uh, I don't know if that's sort of too outlandish or if that's honestly in the realm of possibility or just supposed to bother the Giants, but on the Turner element of everything, are you hearing anything about their interest? Cooling, warming, did this postseason endear them to Turner even more or sour them a little bit? I think Trey Turner is going to be in one of their top targets in free agency, as it should be, just because he's so talented. And, like, I mean, if you look at what he presents to the table, obviously very good bat, very good defense. I know it was spotty in the postseason, uh, but he's a very good defender. He's athletic as heck. And the general view of him through from people throughout the league is that he is going to age gracefully. And I've mentioned that a few times in this podcast. Like, if he's not going to be at shortstop, he can play second base. Um, he can play a bunch of different positions in the infield. Like, that's the kind of guy that I would build around. Um, and I would build – I would – if you gave me a choice between um, Trey Turner and then Corey Seager from last year – uh, who I'd want to build around, it would be Trey Turner. Um, and I would not hesitate with that answer either. Um, but it is that, that off season with the Dodgers is going to be pretty interesting. And it's not a surprise because as you said, I've connected them to DeGrom, uh, Mark Feinstein connected them to Aaron judge with the Dodgers. You can basically connect any big name to them. And I'm sure they've considered and talked about that person internally. Um, and I'm surprised we have not seen them connected to Shohei Otani yet. Like, I, this is going to be okay. I want to clarify this is like <laughs> me speculating at its finest right now. Yeah. But I, I, Shohei Otani to me seems like somebody that every team in baseball should be interested in, but especially the Dodgers. And I think they would have a package that would entice the Angels to make a deal. Um, cause I, I think the angels will want, obviously they'll want top prospects, but they'll also want players who can impact their major league or major league roster, um, immediately. And Will Smith could end up being a headliner in this scenario. Like this is, again, this is me speculating. I want to make sure this does not get aggregated. Like I'm reporting mm -hmm. anything. Um, but Will Smith seems like a guy that would interest the angels. Um, I know they just got Logan O'Hoppy from the Phillies, but like Will Smith can help you win like immediately. And he's a, would you call him a top five catcher at this point? I would. And, and I did a little deeper dive on Will Smith this week. Cause uh, thank you for bringing him up. I saw him, I saw a Will Smith trade offhandedly mentioned in a Chris Cotillo column 
that was just sort of like, hey, could the Red Sox reunite with Christian Vasquez? Maybe the catching market's pretty limited. There's like Omar Narvaez, Mike Zanino's there, maybe a Will Smith trade. And I was like, like I, I like hit the brakes. And I was like, you just put Will Smith trade in the middle of a sentence. But yeah, t- I mean, top five offensive catcher in baseball at a position where offense is limited, still not getting any less limited over time. The playoff Will Smith numbers are not on par with the regular season Will Smith numbers. He hits just over 200 in the postseason. The strikeout rate rises from 22% to 27%. But you can't look me in the eyes and tell me you're going to say no to a four-war catcher with 20-homer power like Will Smith in an era where a Jose Trevino type is making the all-star team for hitting 245 with eight homers and great framing. Yeah, and like and like the the Will Smith trade speculation, it does make sense. And I mean, off the like initially, you probably think, how in the world is trading a young catcher like Will Smith, who's making pennies compared to what he could make in free agency, how could that make sense? And the Dodgers, they have Diego Cartea mm-hmm. in the minors. I believe he's like the number seventeen overall prospect on MLB Pipeline. Um, you have him waiting in the minors and I mean, if you like, man, I'll tell you, I'm telling you, man, like I'm sure the interest in Will Smith, this, this off season is going to be massive. And the Dodgers are in a position now where they do not have to trade Will Smith. But if you listen and you get blown away with an offer, you can pull the trigger on that deal. Then you have Austin Barnes and then you can have Cartea and you can bring him up slowly. If you remember correctly, through like in the middle of this past season, the Dodgers extended Austin Barnes. It was for two years. Mm-hmm. So they got him for another year after, or another two years now. Um, so they can bring along Cartea slowly, have a veteran mentor there if they do trade Will Smith. My guess, Will Smith goes nowhere, but you can never say never, especially if one team just was like, we want Will Smith and we're going to do whatever it takes to get him. Yeah, Carte is super young, mashed this year. There's no, you know, objectively was great. Uh, a 21-year-old coming up through the low minors, probably going to start next season at double-A. It's just so funny how much talent the Dodgers have amassed behind the plate and how little anybody else has to the point where Caber Ruiz was knocking on the door of the big leagues, but they had Will Smith and they had Austin Barnes, and he might have been the easiest to trade top prospect ever because it was like, He's 23. He's ready right now. But if he stays here, he's our third catcher. So somebody's got to want him. And then he was the headliner in the Scherzer-Turner deal along with Josiah Gray. And it was like a a perfect storm where it's like, got to get rid of him, already have talent at the position, and have Cartea in the pipeline under him. Now all of a sudden, Cartea's climbing up. It's not gonna, he's not going to be down there forever. He's not 19 anymore. He's probably not ready. Not going to be your opening day starting catcher, but... The, the clock is is ticking there it's been a year and a half since you traded Ruiz he's ready for a promotion like Miguel Vargas rose from double a to the bigs this year could easily happen there too uh at least by August September maybe he's making that sort of impression so I would not be stunned either if if Will Smith is a headliner they pair Barnes with like a Mike Zanino type who's available or Narvaez uh, you know, not Wilson Contreras on a four-year deal, but uh, yeah. a slugging catcher with great defensive metrics who can split duties with Barnes and is a one-year, $6 million flyer and allows them to upgrade the pitching with like a Jacob deGrom type and then in floats Cartaya. I'll tell you, it's a pretty good sounding scenario right there. I mean, that's just one of the many things that this team is going to end up considering. And it's like the catcher position, especially like the Mike Zunino drop. I thought that was a good one. I forgot that he was going to be available. Um, it, it's like the, another, another name that you ended up dropping there, Omar Narvaez. Um, I thought it was really interesting because the Brewers shopped him at the deadline. I was pretty mm-hmm. convinced he was going somewhere. I, uh, one team that I know did homework on him was the Houston Astros. So maybe, um, I mean, they ended up getting, what was it? Um, who, did, who did they get from? Oh, Christian Vasquez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, I mean, they're going to have plenty of options if they end up doing, if they end up trading um, Austin Barnes or whatever, but, or not Austin Barnes, if they end up trading Will Smith. But, man, I'll tell you, the, uh, there's a certain teams, especially the big ones, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants. I'd even throw the Padres in there. 
because you can never you never know what the Padres. A lot of these big teams, they're gonna have fascinating off seasons. Did I did I not even mention the Mets? I mean, all these teams are gonna end up just having just this off season could end up being wild. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Yeah. I'm ready. Omar Narvaez's numbers this year, uh, not great. <laughs> no, Check through them. no, they were not pretty. No, not impressed. But hey, far be it for me. I couldn't do what Omar Narvaez did this year in the big leagues. Um, but the Astros are in the ALCS. They're romping through the postseason. They start Martin Maldonado. And Christian Vasquez is the backup. Like, you can do it without a Will Smith type. Yep. There aren't a lot of Jorge Posadas sticking around anymore. The catcher position is defense first. If you hit 230 with incredible framing, you're like on a pedestal. You're Johnny Bench, you know, you're holding eight baseballs in your hand. So if the Dodgers are the innovative team, kind of surprising that they've got this offense first, solid defense catcher, and maybe they look to move off at it some. Yeah, for sure. And um, also, like, to not to uh, segue here, but our, our friend Kurt mentioning wants us to mention the Tigers. Um, and I will drop this for you, Kurt, the Tigers. I, I yeah, I, I have something to add about the Tigers, and, and that is uh, in Spanish, it's Los Tigres. <laughs> See, you can only get inside like that anywhere. You can't get the inside anywhere. Only at the baseball insiders. That's why you subscribe, everybody. Yeah, you got to oh, subscribe. Me too. You got to subscribe because at the 35-minute mark, we're going to be talking about the Detroit Tigers very briefly. That's a guarantee. <laughs> God, I love it. That's uh, sorry, Kurt. I, I apologize for being that guy. Well, you've got your manager in place. You got your GM in place. There will be plenty of Tigers talk this offseason. Just not so much right now. No, exactly. But I, I think, yeah, I think they're as I've mentioned on the show before. Like they're in a very good position. I like that Scott Harris hire um, should have you very excited. But also another one too, because um, there is a question. Um, Oh, from Joshua Bettenker um, about the finalists for the Marlins job. And um, I, I wanted to address this because this one interested me real, pretty good here. Um, the Marlins, they've interviewed a lot of different people. Uh, I mentioned D Dusty Wathen before. Um, they've talked to Joe Espada. They've interviewed him. Um, and they've interviewed a bunch of other people. But from what I understand, they have second interviews um, lined up with Matt Quattraro with the Tampa Bay Rays and Espada. Um, so those are two of the guys that they have bringing in for second interviews. Don't think we have finalists yet, but like they're starting to narrow the field down a little bit. So I guess you can say they're making progress there. Yeah, I was a uh, Quattraro guy. That was like that. That was the one I was looking for. If, if the Yankees felt like replacing Aaron Boone. Clearly they didn't. Clearly they still don't. Uh, but <clears throat> that's a big interview. Um, and, and I think he's going to succeed wherever it is that he starts his managerial career. Um, we are uh, we, we, we put the fire. We started the fire on Dodgers. And I think we <laughs> it is funny. We did just do like uh, seven minutes on Will Smith. And I think that's really exciting. But you also mentioned a Shohei Otani trade. And we were just kind of like. <laughs> you're like Shohei Otani, you know, in the Dodgers, you never know. Will Smith could be a headliner. And I was like, ooh, let's spin that off and talk about Will Smith. But in reality, we, we could talk about Otani too. Um, yeah. Oopsie. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Otani quotes this week were, were sort of eye-opening, and but not that shocking. I mean, people were making a mountain out of a molehill, him saying that he had a rather negative impression of this season. That was the quote. Um, but the real quote was, I have to say that August and September in particular felt longer to me than last year. We were not able to play as many good games as we would like, including 14 consecutive losses. So, like, yeah, that sounds really unpleasant. It's not really groundbreaking for him to say, hey, you know what I found? Uh, you know what I disliked? Losing 14 straight games, my manager getting fired, and not making the playoffs again. But new ownership, does that lead to an Otani trade or an Otani extension? That's sort of the question on everybody's lips. And we talked about this with the DeGrom market. If he gets traded and he'll need an extension, it's not like every team is involved in that mix. So why not the Dodgers, right? Like, what are the other big-pocket teams that could reasonably just pull off an Otani trade? Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned the first one, the Dodgers. And, and that's it for me. Yeah, like, they make a whole lot of sense to me, especially if they're willing to part with Will Smith. Um, I think that could end up being 
a very intriguing frontliner for them. I also would not rule out the San Diego Padres um, just because AJ Preller does things that not many other executives are capable of. Um, and that's a, also a credit to their ownership and Peter Seidler in San Diego. Um, I, honestly, all 30 teams, well, all other 29 teams should be in the mix for Shohei Otani. Um, and I would imagine like the Mets would probably have some interest because Steve Cohen likes to spend a lot of money. And Billy Epler has a very strong relationship with Otani. Like he recruited him over and like convinced him to sign with the angels when he was the angels general manager. Um, and those are two of the things that are very important for Otani is one winning. He wants to win. And those comments that he made um, pretty recently would seem to indicate he has not changed that feeling, nor am I surprised that's the case. Um, and two, he values relationships. And that relationship with Epler could prove crucial either in a trade, um, although he does not have no trade clause in his contract, I believe, so he does not have that leverage, mm -hmm. um, but also in free agency too, um, where he, like that relationship with Epler could end up being pretty crucial. But that like this all leads me to my main point about Otani. The interest in him is going to be massive, as it should be. But will they actually trade him? Here's here's where I'm at with that. Is my guess is probably not, um, because I cannot envision Artie Moreno being the owner to trade him. Um, I just I can't see that. I can't see him wanting to do it. Um, obviously, that new ownership or um, him trying to sell the team could end up playing a factor here. But I still don't think he's going to be traded, but that's not going to prevent teams from calling. Um, man, if we thought the Soto trade was uh, was unprecedented, just wait for a potential Shoya Otani trade because that could be pretty nuts. Yeah, and odds are it'll happen as soon as I, again, land in Seattle for the All-Star game next year. And then I'll have to look at Seattle fans in the eye and be like, you guys about to trade for Otani? You smug bastards eating your apricot danishes because apparently that's what everybody eats. Yeah, um, hang on, hang on, time out, time out, time out. Yeah, so no time out. Kurt put in the comments here um, that I would seem like an, or he wanted to know what my food take was on an apricot Danish. I was today years old when I learned what that was. What in the absolute world is an apricot Danish? That's I, a uh, this is a very specific poll just because that happens to be what I was eating in Los Angeles when I got the Juan Soto news. Uh, it's no. just like a, it's like a little dough nest with some like jello in a circle. And then you got some chunks of apricot in the center there. It was, uh, it was, it was really good. That sounds tasty, but it's not what I was picturing in my head. I don't know why, but like, I pictured like a, um, what the heck is it called? Not, um, I'm thinking of, a, I don't even know what I'm trying to think of here. Um, some French dish or something. Um, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, that's, that's not what I was picturing in my head. Hmm. Oh, okay. I should, I've never seen an apricot in my life before. I should clarify that too. Okay. Uh, so it's like a little orange, uh, delicious dried fruit often, but you can also have it a uh, non-dried. Uh, I don't want to say wet fruit. It's not a, it's not a wet fruit, but a normal, <laughs> normal fruit. Uh, I feel like uh, French wise. Yeah, it is. It's like a peach. I feel like French wise. Are you referring to haricot vert, which is green beans in French? Do green beans disgusting they they should be thrown off a bridge or something or whatever they're just they're gross i would never do a green bean danish i would never do sweet green beans i, I think uh sorry to my followers sorry to the haters and losers i i don't like sweet green beans uh johnny says a blueberry danish is better yeah. um sure i mean who am i to, i'm not gonna say no to any danish yeah that sounds pretty tasty to me you can't go wrong with blueberry um i feel like that's a pretty safe one yeah um, and Dodger Blueberry uh, looked pretty good on Cody Bellinger for the majority of his career, but that may be coming to an end. That's the final Dodgers point I want to hit before we move on. And, and uh, oh, uh, yeah, the Yankees are still playing. We'll talk about them too. But Bellinger benched for the end of the postseason series with the Padres. There was already talk about him being a non-tender candidate last season. He got a raise instead. Now it seems sort of safe that his fate has been sealed. But do you foresee his future being elsewhere and uh, sort of presuming that you do? And then if you do, who are the teams that you might think would give him a chance to bounce back? Yeah, that 
I, I think he's a very strong non-tender candidate this year. And a change of scenery could do him a lot of good. But I also wonder if um, he would leave the division. Because the team that immediately popped into my head, Adam, was the San Francisco Giants, who have Farhan Zaidi, who is very familiar with him, uh, with Bellinger from their time in Los Angeles. And the Giants hitting staff is widely regarded as like one of the one of the best in baseball and has led to career years, like I mean last year especially, from all their older players like Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, um, and some of their young players too. And I wonder if the Giants could take a flyer there if he's not tendered. That's just me spitballing, but like it, it makes me wonder: like, is that possible? Um, and I would not, I would not rule it out. Dodgers fans want to get stabbed in the heart. Did you show up to this podcast for twenty minutes of Otani talk and Will Smith talk just to say, "Hey, your former MVP is going to the San Francisco freaking Giants"? Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed Dodgers nation. Uh, stay tuned to the baseball insiders all off season long. We are not going to forget you. You are going to be involved in every move. So this will not be the last podcast to touch significantly on the Los Angeles Dodgers. I really hope that we start talking about the Cubs too. I can't wait till we get Cubs scoops. Cause we got a lot of Cubs commenters and I just want to give them some nuggets. Cubs, Cubs, Cubs. I mean, there we go. Uh, I can't do much more for you Cubs fans today than just saying Cubs in the way we said tigers. Uh, yeah. Spanish. I mean, what is cub in Spanish? It's El Oso is bear, but they're not the bears. That's uh, Justin Fields territory. So I can't even give you the Spanish translation of cubs. Uh, I wish I could. Um, but too. yeah, rest assured, Cubs fans, we will have nuggets for you. And uh, oh, look at the time. Oh, yeah, go for it. There's actually one question I wanted to address. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he asked, do you think Verlander will opt out and or leave the Astros in the offseason? My man, the alchemic one. Yes, uh, not yeah. a real name, but we are happy to help. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He's uh, he's commented before, and I wanted to make sure I end up getting, getting his question in here. Is Verlander stated, I believe it was to Ken Rosenthal or earlier in the year, that if he stayed healthy, he'd be inclined to opt out. Um and he loves it in Houston. Um, there was a reason why, I mean, obviously money played a huge factor, but like why he decided to uh, resign in, in Houston. But you got to look at, let's say the Mets lose to Grom. Verlander makes a whole lot of sense there. Um, the Tiger, well, the Tigers, I mean, he's, Mark Paul wanted the Tigers reunion. I was going to say the Texas Rangers because the Rangers are going to be looking for pitching all offseason too. That's going to be the priority. Um, there's certainly going to be opportunities for him to leave. Um, my guess is he stays in Houston on a rework deal, but anything can happen. Free agency is anyone's guess, but um, if he opts out of his contract, which is my expectation, um, he'll get pretty pretty significant interest. The New York Yankees have had 700 chances to get Justin Verlander on their roster. 2017, they had a chance to trade for him at the August deadline. They didn't do it. 2022 offseason they were weirdly viewed as the favorites for a little while by the general public probably not in private um and then all of a sudden ben verlander was like hey my brother's going back to that team he's played for for the last five years and it was like oh yeah that also makes sense uh all that the astros just keep getting verlander falling back into their laps you couldn't be shocked either if he uh opted out and then ended up right back where he belongs uh what do you think that contract looks like uh, we got a follow-up on this point Boy, I would think an AAV around what he got this year, maybe on a two or three year deal. Um, but I can't, it's not going to be a long term deal, especially at this stage of his career. But I would guess probably a short term deal at a pretty decent AAV. And there you have it. And uh, anybody could do it. Again, I don't know if they will, but really anybody could give him that AAV. And, and you'd be yeah. getting a playoff horse who had a terrible division series debut and immediately shook it off and dominated the Yankees last night. And, oh, look at the time. We have no time to talk about the Yankees trailing 1-0 in the ALCS to the Houston Astros. Ah, rats. I really wanted to talk about how bad my team looked yesterday, but we just can't do it. No, I'm happy to very briefly just touch on the – I mean, are these Yankees-Astros games interesting for anybody other than Astros fans? Like, another game with 17 strikeouts for the Yankees last night uh, they've gone to Houston annually, gotten their buns whipped by Justin Verlander annually. Uh, they do not come through with runners in scoring position in Houston. They went 0 for 4 last night. They struck out 17 times against Verlander in three bullpen arms. 
They got out to an early one, nothing lead, couldn't protect it. Aaron Boone made the wrong bullpen decision. Uh, and there is a massive lineup shakeup tonight. This just dropped. Harrison Bader's leading off. Uh, Glaber Torres hitting fifth, where he does better historically. Josh Donaldson down to sixth. Kyle Higashioka catching. Oswald Peraza starting a short batting eighth. Oswaldo Cabrera in left field. Um, they certainly needed a shakeup. Is it enough? I'm not sure. Bert, do you, as an objective observer, enjoy watching these Yankees-Astros games? Or is it just like, oh, there's another one. The same thing happened. I enjoy watching them. It's not because it's like I'm against the Yankees or anything, but I love I love watching good fundamental baseball, and that's exactly what the Astros play. I know, I know the Houston is not the most favorite, uh, especially among baseball fans, but like they play a good breed of baseball, a good offense. I mean, hell, like a bunch of home runs, but they had four last night. Really good pitching, 17 strikeouts, um, good defense too. The the storyline that I think was really underappreciated during the regular season and is slowly going to get, well, maybe it's already at the point now where it's gotten more attention, but is how Jeremy Pena replaced Carlos Correa. Cause I thought that going into the season, I thought that was a mistake by Houston. I thought that could not, um, I, I just didn't think, or I thought that would be a pretty big drop off for Houston and lo and behold, they've hit the ground running and they've maintained their dominance. And I mean, they're they've, they're a sexy pick to win the World Series. I mean, yeah, I, I mean I feel pretty good about that now. I've seen nothing that indicates they're not going to win world win the World Series this year. But uh, the Yankees are giving a fight. They changed their lineup. They're not rolling over. We'll see what they have in Game Two if they could steal it on the road coming home with Cole and Nestor Cortez. They got a shot. If they can't, they don't have much of a shot. That is it for this Thursday's edition of the Baseball Insiders. As always, you can find us 3.30 Eastern Time, live streaming Mondays and Thursdays throughout the season, postseason, and offseason, packed with takes and insider information from Robert Murray himself. Regardless of whether we're in season or after the season ends, uh, you're going to want to stick around and subscribe for once this campaign ends and a champion is crowned, because we're going to throw you right into the offseason, the winter meetings, all that swirling nonsense will make sense of the rumors that you are hearing on your own time. If you're a Cubs fan, you want Cubs, 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 we're going to be able to connect names to you. If you want to know who's in the White Sox managerial search, we're going to be able to fill you in on all the behind-the-scenes information there. Uh, Bert it has been very uh, clear on, on all the info he knows, and when he knows it, you're going to get it. Uh, Robert Murray, thanks so much, as always, for providing so much content and context to this podcast and uh, – I, I can't wait for the offseason, but I also can't wait to see how the rest of this whole crazy tournament turns out. Me too. It is going to be a blast. And Adam even mentioned it too, that we have the GM meetings and the winter meetings coming. I will be at both. Um, so we will be doing shows while I'm there. So you'll be getting info as I'm hearing it. Um, and the only way that you can hear that is if you subscribe. So that'd be greatly appreciated if you could do that. Now is the time to subscribe, not tomorrow. Join us when we're live. Get all the info we have. You'll have it first if you are a subscriber to the Baseball Insiders. For Robert Murray, I'm Adam Weinrib. We will see you all next month. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.